0: Let's go.
1: Welcome to Citizen today. We've got a really special guest. uh, Somebody that a lot of us, I won't say grew up watching because that's offensive, um, (laughs) but, you know, kind of grew up watching. Uh, uh, (laughs) Michelle (laughs) Tafoya, you, you were a sideline reporter with the NFL for a long time. Multiple networks. I think you did some basketball stuff as well, but I I think
2: did a lot. Yeah,
1: most people know you from the football uh, sidelines, and now we know you for some other stuff. But tell tell me a little bit about your background in in reporting and things like that, and then we'll we'll you know go into the other stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I just you know I just retired after the Mm -hmm. last Super Bowl Uh, when the L.A. Rams won at home. I was on that sideline. That was my final game after a a pretty long career it it could have gone longer i chose to leave um they wanted me to stay i chose to leave i have a lot that i want to say about things other than sports and that doesn't always mix too well with the number one show on television sunday night football and before that monday night football so um, I had to make a choice, and um, as much as I love sports and love my career, I've covered the Olympics, I've covered the NBA, college basketball championships, college football championships. I, I mean, almost everything. No hockey, mm. and I, and very little baseball. But um, I, I loved my career. But I it sounds corny. I love my country more, and I want to be part of the conversation about her future. And I hope no one's offended that I call it her. That seems to be the traditional way to refer to this country, and I'm mm. going to just stick with that tradition. So, so loved my career. It spanned a long time, but found a, a moment where I could say, you know what, I, I've got to do other stuff.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, uh, a lot of people that <clears throat> I guess that that sit at the intersection between culture and politics and sports, um. Sometimes they get themselves in trouble, and then a lot of people bitch about, you know, I, I guess shut up, the shut up and dribble kind of situation. Yeah. yeah, which you know, honestly, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I I read something, Um, I think it was in the Sporting News actually, an interview that you gave where you were like, yeah, at this point in my life, I've kind of like I've done the sports thing. I really enjoy it. I think it's important, but as you just said, I think the, the state of the country is a little more important, and instead of mixing the two i'm just going to move on to something else yeah which would be yeah. it would be nice if people would do that right
2: well you know it's, it's for instance it the the anthem i i was part of covering the national anthem protests for a few years in the nfl and i firmly stand by every player's right to express himself as he sees fit did i agree with kneeling for the anthem no i didn't but i will stand up for that person's right to do it every time they needed to understand it wasn't so much the the protest or the, their beliefs or their feelings about things that people were upset about. It was that mixing of it with a moment where people normally feel unified about things. Sports is a mm. is a is a that's what makes to me what makes sports so damn special is people from all walks of life, from all kinds of backgrounds come together and they cheer for or against a team and strangers hug one another players coexist phenomenally well when they're a team and so I, I just felt like you know what you get every Tuesday is an off day in the NFL go take that Tuesday or wait until the post-game press conference to talk about what you want to talk about yeah. and and let everyone enjoy the game and and don't bring divisive stuff into the game it I don't know you know yes it made their protest talked about it brought it to the fore but it i think it uh i think it divided more than it unified
1: sure yeah and that's not like i mean when you're uh, the, the point of civil action and protest is essentially a it, it's a, it's like a cultural insurgency right and the the rules of an insurgency apply um like you gain attention first and then you uh develop uh, benefactors that's like the second stage so if you think about let, let's say it was in um, in a combat situation or something like that, your first goal would be to uh, draw attention to the issue. Your second goal would be to get people on your side. And, right. you know, this is not something that accomplished that goal. I think especially football fans who are primarily, uh, you know, they like things like the the national anthem in the country, yeah. right? So, yeah, uh, they but if you if you make the case to them that like, hey, We agree with you that liberty is like the most important thing, but we're not experiencing it the same way that you are, at least from our perspective. So maybe we can work together to fix that. That would be Mm -hmm. a very palatable way to say that and not like, hey, fuck you and everything you believe, Uh, you know, it's like showing up it's like the CEO of a company dies and you show up to his funeral to protest the company. That's not, that's not how it's done, man. And standing in the street and blocking traffic and stuff like that. That's the
2: other one. Yeah. yeah. You lose people that way. Uh, You know, I've, my husband is one of the most centrist people I know. And he's said to me, I can be on your side uh, philosophically Mm -hmm. and, you know, cognitively I get what you're standing for, but when you stand and you block my access to the airport, when I'm late for a flight, you're not winning me over, and in yeah. fact, you're turning me off now, and whereas you would have had my support, now you've lost me.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why um, <clears throat> one of, one of the primary reasons that this movement, particularly the BLM movement, um, it maintained a lot of traction because so many people were involved, but you could see the power centers were all uh, towards corruption, you know what I mean? We know that now for a fact mm-hmm. because of all the, the millions and millions of dollars that have been used for real estate, I guess. I don't know what the fuck's going on there. And I guess somebody paid their brother $800,000 a year for private security, even though he was a bar manager or something like that, (laughs) which is kind of weird. But you know, when when I I think there's something about the organization being disingenuous that drew certain types of people into it. You know what I mean? Like it's that, that's how it works. Predators will show up when there's something to prey on. It's like, maybe we should pay more attention to the several hundred thousand people that we're putting in charge of our children every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. That seems like it it might be a good idea. It would
2: be a really good idea. Yeah.
1: Um, we're all over the place here already out of the gate. (laughs) Why not? Um, yeah. Uh, so what was it, uh, that really like, how did that decision-making process for you go? You've had a storied career. You've got like five Emmys. Um, one of the most four, Oh, it's only four
2: it's only four fucking loser (laughs) man jesus i i know i uh, know
1: it's like uh you know a storied career everybody who watches who has watched football in the last 20 years knows who you are uh and you know name id is important when you're doing media stuff obviously what was it that made you look finally throw your hands up and be like all right i've got to go do something else
2: you know, it start it started as long ago as 9/11. Yeah. That was the eye opener for me about how much I love this country. It's sort of like y- you don't realize how much you love something until it's threatened or, you know, that kind of thing. And and I'd been raised in a patriotic household, but 9/11 was a wake-up call for me about how fragile life is, how fragile the future is, all of those things. And everything sort of built from there. And as I saw all of these disagreements happening and we started to kind of get a little more insane in this country. And, you know, the, the extremes grew further extreme. And it seemed like common sense was being overpowered by the extreme voices that everyone was like, "Ooh, look at that. Ooh, listen to her. Ooh, listen to him. Because, you know, they're out there and they're saying stuff that, that's making you truly scratch your head. And meanwhile, this vast portion, I believe, of the country that's commonsensical, middle-grounded people, middle road, were getting ignored. Mm. And it it was it was pissing me off. And and then with COVID, um, you know, I lived through COVID in a very different way from most people. I, I traveled the entire time because the NFL season went on. Mm. And I was getting tested three times a week. And I was... Doing these, you know, having discussions with the NFL about, okay, so I'm wearing a mask. I'm not even on the field. I'm in the stadium. I've got to wear a mask. These guys are inches from each other, spitting and breathing on one another. Sure, they've all tested negative hours ago. uh, By your theory, you could tell me that they could have tested positive two minutes before the game and have a, a different outcome. But anyway, you're letting them breathe and spit and sweat on each other and bleed on each other but in the post-game interview they have to be six feet away from me i've got to be masked they've got to be masked i'm in most cases i was standing in in a a row in the state it all was so nonsensical that it freaked me out Mm. it scared me that we had become we were just doing stuff to do it um i think there was a lot of virtue signaling there was a lot of just following along to get along that when i said to my kids what do you think about getting (laughs) vaccinations guys and my son says just i just want to do it mom it'll make my life easier Mm. i I just heard the sounds of sheep in my head and i got very worried and and i remain worried um, because if it's not one emergency it'll be another where people give themselves emergency powers to tell us what to do and i also watched my kids go through incredibly awful times going Mm. to school virtually being kept away from their friends. It's just, it was awful. And none of it really made sense to me. And I felt like we were just marching in lockstep because we were told to. Sure. Yeah. And then I asked questions on social media and, and and just for posing a question, Hey, what does anyone think about this or why is this doctor saying this, but this doctor saying that you would get absolutely hammered Mm. by people you thought, we more reasonable. And I was thinking to myself, what the hell is going on? Like, I'm just asking a question. Listen, my voice is getting all high. But that's, that's what really started to freak me out. Like, if we can't speak and we can't question mm. without being absolutely thrown to the wolves, we're on a really dangerous path right now.
1: This episode is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. You get 20% off your first order using the code CITIZEN. You know them and you love them. Black Rifle Coffee Company. Hopefully you watched their lo- latest piece of content, uh, Final Send, that Jared and the Nitro Service guys did. It's absolutely insane. Uh, but back to the coffee. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran operated and supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. You get pr- uh, premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast. Whether you want uh, uh, light, dark, or medium, choose the grind style, whether you want coffee rounds, which fit in the Keurig, or you want ground coffee or whole beans, you can grind it yourself. And the delivery schedule, of which there are a variety of options from weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, everything. Um, You're also going to get free shipping on those, so it'll save a couple of bucks. And you get access to exclusive partner discounts where you can save quite a bit more. With all sorts of companies like 5.11 and Loophole and uh, and so on. Uh, you're also going to get access to merch that other people can't get to. And uh, if I were you, I would sign up for the ECS, the exclusive coffee club. Because they're going to get high-rated coffees uh, in your coffee club subscription. So, get 20% off your first order. Use the code CITIZEN. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com and get those deals today. Next up is GhostBed. Ghostbed.com forward slash drink it, bros. They're the best beds in the world. Honestly, if they made a bed that's like a suitcase where I could, or I'm sorry, uh, a a pillow that's like a suitcase where I could just put some other stuff inside of it and unfold it into a pillow when I get to my hotel room. Traveling is okay. I don't mind it that much. I actually kind of like it sometimes, but sleeping on shitty hotel beds drives me crazy. Anyways. Right now, GhostBed is offering 40% off GhostBed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code Bros at ghostbed.com forward slash Bros. By the way, if you do the, um, the bundle, the mattress and adjustable base, you don't have to use a code or anything. It auto applies, just to be clear. Uh, you can buy a mattress for like 35 bucks a month. If you use their zero down 0% financing plan that now lasts up to 60 months. That's six zero. That's five years. Uh, go check it out at ghostbad.com forward slash drinker bros. Last, but certainly not least Babbel. right now, get up to 55% off your subscription. When you go to com slash citizen, that's B a B B E L.com slash citizen. Uh, we've been talking about them for a while, folks. If you're trying to uh, brush up on your language skills, you know, Everybody, I think, regrets how poorly they were uh, taught a foreign language in either high school or college or both, right? Because it's a really good skill to have. But really, the lessons that you got in high school were not very good. So with Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson. You can start having real-life conversations in as few as three weeks. Um, Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans. Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts, uh, and they're voiced by real native speakers, not computers. So it, it helps with your pronunciation. Also, I love the way that it's set up where you'll go through a couple of classes uh, or a couple of lessons, rather, and then before it puts you into the next lesson, it backs up and gives you a little refresher quiz. Uh, it's a It's a teaching principle called recall, where you need a certain amount of time to absorb stuff, and then when you... Take that amount of time to absorb it, then retest on it. You're more likely to remember it. It's very smart the way they've done this. Um, It's scientifically proven to be effective. Uh, You can choose from up to 14 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. And they have speech recognition technology that helps with your pronunciation. So right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to com slash citizen, babbel.com slash citizen. Uh, Start your language learning today with Babbel. It comes with a 20-day money back guarantee. So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, and they have all sorts of other ways to learn in addition to the lessons like podcast games, video stories, and even live classes. So go to babbel.com slash citizen, get 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Yeah, I mean, the uh any, anytime anytime dissent goes away, then you're in trouble, right? It doesn't yeah. matter even if it's um it doesn't matter if it's being suppressed or if people are intentionally suppressing their own dissent. You know what I mean? Yes. The the effect is essentially the same, and it reminds me of, uh, I mentioned on the show before, but it reminds me of uh, George Orwell. In the end, the party would announce that 2 and 2 made 5. That's where 2 and 2 equals 5, that whole shtick came from. And you would have to believe it. It was inevitable uh, that they should make that claim sooner or later because their position, the logic of their position demanded it, right? And the logic of their position is, the seat of power is also the seat of truth, and that's not the case. That's never been the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do play by these might makes right rules, right? We have throughout human history, but that—that uh, that is uh, – like, we say that and that's how it is, but that's not how it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like, right is supposed to be right. We're supposed to come mm-hmm. to uh, – man, I – yeah, that, that part of the whole last couple of years has been very bizarre for me. I mean, people have been really dumb for a very long time, but – you know, when we, we've, I, I guess it's probably a function of social media, but we've elevated groupthink to a mm-hmm. level that is now moralized. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, you're, you don't believe what everybody else's believes. Right. Then you're, you're a denier. You. Yeah. It's like, you're well, a denier. What the hell does that mean? This,
2: yeah. The, this big word denier now is you can attach it to anything. Oh, you're a gender fluidity denier. You're a science denier. And, and I can look right back at that person and say, actually you're the science denier because there was a lot of science that was going on that was proving other than what you're saying. And you, you refuse to acknowledge it that the fact that discussion and debate and questions were being shut down Mm -hmm. the way that they were, was that, that freaking scared the life out of me. Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't, I, I just, yeah, I couldn't go along anymore.
1: Yeah. There's some extremely like, so during the whole, um, Even from the beginning, in the early part of 2020, it was like, yeah, this is not that big a deal. It's going to be like every other type of respiratory infection where Mm -hmm. fat and old people suffer and most other people, you know, it it provided you behave the correct way, you're going to be fine. Um, Right. And I operated under that assumption. It turned out to be true, but that's just like basic science, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like comorbidities Mm -hmm. have always been a thing. Um, But- then when it came to the vaccination and things like that, uh, it got a little touchy. So it's like the myocarditis and pericarditis thing are pretty interesting to me because when I first heard that there was some new prevalence, I'm like, okay, well, it would make sense. I I didn't really get too tuned up about that because we didn't have data yet. It was like, uh, it would make sense that A novel virus and a novel vaccine might produce the same the same uh, uh, side effects, right? There's 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 some history or there's some historical reason to believe that. Now, uh, as of about two weeks ago, we've got a study from the NIH that says that people who just get the virus and not vaccinated are at no uh, very limited risk for either one of those things, but people who are getting vaccinated have the highest risk for it. So now we know that now we know that information. Now, that that was an example of someone like myself waiting for the actual evidence to come in. And, you know, this idea that the science changes over time. That phrase is probably the most nefarious thing that's come out of this entire process. It's not it's not like science doesn't change the uh, uh, scientific method doesn't change. Hey. It is like we get new data, certainly, but we knew very early on. I mean, you could find articles from March of 2020 that say, hey, if you're fat or old, you're probably going to have some issues and otherwise yeah. you probably won't. So, yeah. you know, this this has been a pretty interesting ride. And I wonder, uh, you know, from your perspective, how we're going to circle the bend here? Like, how do you get – how do you shake people – Back to consciousness, and I wonder if there's some lessons through history to be learned from this. Like, did after uh, World War II, how, how did Germans shake loose the cobwebs and be like, "All right, there's been some weird shit going on here. We probably should have done something sooner." You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't. Yeah. And I'm, there's there's a million other examples. It's not just Nazis that no, that have done no.
2: That. Hey, this is look. This has been going on since the beginning of time, mm. right? There's really no arguing it. It's just, it's a matter of this confluence of events, who's in leadership, who's in power, what the the threat is to health, liberty, life, whatever it is. And we just had one of those, you know, we had Trump in office, which made everyone blame him for the pandemic instead of maybe pointing blame to where it was due. Um, And anything that he said or did was wrong and so fauci stepped in and filled this void and no one really everyone just decided to to put fauci on this pedestal in fauci we trust and and let all other questioning go by the wayside we'll do whatever we can to not die please don't let us die you know and and so the, but the why did that-
1: but why did people believe that? Why did people believe that this was more like and I still see it. Uh, we live in Austin, which is yeah. pretty uh it, it's semi-liberal, but it's Texas still, right? So you, yeah. you there's a lot of like a lot of the liberal people here are more like left-leaning libertarians who just want to be left okay. alone. You know, it's like yeah. the kind of the kind of hippies in northern California that you buy acid from, not the kind that you <laughs> buy vegetables from if that makes sense. Um <laughs>
2: That's a great comparison. Yeah, so
1: I I run into a lot of um people, and I'm sure you do too, traveling who are still wearing masks and shit. I'm like, come on, man! Like this is I know you, you're you're it's like a badge that you're wearing now to show how stupid you are.
2: Well, it's it's interesting. I've tried to. Sorry about the dog, by the way. Oh no, He's, it's fine. I think he sees a squirrel out of the window um i i I see it too when i travel i see people on wearing masks and the the one that really cracks me up is when someone's wearing a mask and it's like all dangly and below their nose and it's it's not an n whatever 95 it's not Mm. the proper kind of mask anyway or it's a cloth mask when you see someone wearing a cloth mask that is the ultimate virtue signal that Mm. is the ultimate i still believe that i am being selfish if i don't wear a mask and so i'm going to wear a mask I I, I'm with you. I want to say to these people, come on, really? Don't haven't you read? Don't you get the updates? But at the same time, I've decided if they want to do that. So what, you know, who am I to tell them not to? Sure. yeah. So but but I get what you're saying. It's it's you 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 start to go, really? Do you see where you're standing? You're like in this group. Mm -hmm. I've seen people sitting at high school football games. You know, there will be like two people in masks. And I'm thinking, okay, we're outdoors and no one else around you is in a mask. I mean, really, what are you doing?
1: I mean, the mask and- is to protect other people from you. It doesn't protect you from anything, typically uh, speaking.
2: Yeah. And 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 if you feel you need to be protected, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's such a circular, dizzying question. Yeah. And so I've decided to sort of let it go. And if people want to wear masks, that's up to them. You know, I remember, who was it um, from the New York Times? who said, oh, we're going to have violence now between the people who don't wear masks and the people who do. Why am I forgetting that dude's name? His, he wrote The the Earth is Flat. But anyway, I, I was like, no, there's not going to be violence <laughs> if you want to, you know, and that's the other part. These people who are intentionally driving these wedges between people for wearing masks is no different be- than dividing people because of their gender or mm. their religion or their race. And it's. It's gotten, I feel like I'm living in an absurd world. Yeah. I really do. I, I, I wake up every day going, what the hell is going to be the issue today?
1: Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's so, you know, have you ever read uh, The Attention Merchants by Tim Wu? If you haven't, I, no. I, I highly recommend it. So okay. he essentially, he he wrote one of my favorite books. It's called The Master Switch, and it's how governments, uh, anytime there's a, an emerging technology, whatever it happens to be, whether it was a, a, a the aqueducts in Rome or... Uh, the printing press or the internet or anything else, uh, governments usually step in, try to acquire or get a stranglehold on, on tech and then use it as a weapon against people, right? Um, and then the attention merchants is about how marketing in America, particularly the madmen, right? The Madison Avenue people back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, stole lessons from the snake oil salesmen that were really pr- effective. And the snake oil salesmen actually stole their tactics from government propagandists, Right. So uh highly recommend that book if you ever read it. But anyways, it is probably, you know, just attention is is what well, you work in media, you know how it is. Attention equals dollars. You mm-hmm. know, every eyeball there's a fraction of a cent there. And yeah. um when you w- when the value is instead of monetary control or power, now we've got something right. Now you can control uh, the outcome of things like People keep telling me about hacked voting machines. I'm like, you don't have to hack a piece of software or hardware when you can hack somebody's brain, man. Yeah. When you see people standing outside in droves just complying with things they know are wrong just to get by, as you mentioned before, like yeah. do you, do any. Let, let's just stick with Occam's razor here. The simplest explanation is that people have been, uh, every single as, uh, aspect of their lives has been politicized now, right? Yeah it's uh it's the ultimate bastardization of a process that we call ken selection and it's how you as a human being identify who your ken is right who's who's my family my family people i mean before we had communities it was like people that looked like me right Mm -hmm. so uh primates you look like me we're all good but then you know there's a status element to it as well at some point and it just kind of grows from there and now we've taken every facet of our lives and politicized it in that way because that's what the media wants and that's what government or people in government want and i can't think of anything more fucked up than that to be honest when you like if you if you ask your parents uh and i've heard i've actually had these conversations but somebody was like how did our parents ever get along with each other when they were believed when they believed different things because they didn't give a shit what are you talking about how they get along they didn't care Like nobody asked you when you showed up to work. Like, hey, who'd you vote for? There was like, yeah, hey, yeah. did you watch football this weekend?
2: Exactly. It, you know, when I go to the dog park, <laughs> I think America should act like the dog park. Mm. Um, I have a dog that's nine months old. This is the first dog that my family's, my little family has had, and I try to get him to the dog park. Mm. And when I go there, I meet all these other people, and I'm certain none of us think exactly alike but we can talk about stuff oh what's your diet What's your you know what breed just, we just talk about we, we shoot the shit about dogs and i leave there going you know i get along with everyone in the damn dog park and i don't know where they're from i don't know what they believe politically but i gotta believe that we are a lot more like the dog park or could be a lot more like the dog park when we start slicing and dicing our community, our country into race, sex, political background, gender, um, pro-science, anti, all this crap, you end up with these tiny little tribes Mm. and you can make a tribe as tiny as one if you want to. And and there's this, you know, well, because there's also, I'm I'm all over the place here, but there's power and victimization. Mm -hmm. I I could just as easily say, you know, uh, as a brunette, five foot six sports reporter with a Hispanic background and an Irish mom, I feel objectified (laughs) because I did not get, you know, as much money as that blonde reporter over there or that redheaded reporter over there. And you know, how far you want to go? Yeah. How far do you want to go? I'll tell you one. Mm, No, I'm going to (laughs) refrain. I just thought of something that I was going to say about, um, a school in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. but uh, it's too risky.
1: Uh yeah, I understand it's your kids. Uh yeah, it's, it's my that, kids. Yeah. That's that's what intersectionalism is, though. It's it's yeah, you know, dividing people into the lowest uh, common denominator, basically, and then ranking them by how offended they should be on any given day, and then yes. we're supposed to somehow react to that, like get the fuck out of here, man. I don't have time yeah. for this. People are just uh, trying to live their lives, and, you know.
2: Exactly.
1: That's uh, that used to be the beauty of sports. You know what I mean? And I say I I talk to people about this all the time. If you listen to a uh, a libertarian and if you l- let's say you just talk to a libertarian, a Republican, uh, and a Democrat, and a Green Party person, you ask them all about uh, how they feel about the government. They're all going to bitch about the government, right? And they're all going to yeah. bitch in ways that are pretty similar to one another. Um, and then you know their solutions are different. And because of that, they don't like each other, but that's kind of how that works. Right. I mean, you're supposed to have a a meritocracy where everybody puts in their idea for a solution. You decide which is the best and you act on that. Now from the sports perspective, I I'm told that, um, bears and Packers fans don't like one another. Um, especially (laughs) when Aaron Rodgers yells, I own you into their uh, stand. but, um, they all like football though. Right. Like they're all football fans and we've, in American culture for some reason I mean it's the intersectional nonsense but for some reason we've decided to partake in it and it's uh, instead of deciding what our greatest common factor is like we all enjoy living in safe communities for example yes. let's let's do what needs to be done to produce safe communities we say uh, I like safe communities but you know I don't like your solution for it to so go fuck yourself I mean th- it doesn't make any sense you know what
2: mm-hmm. I mean I, I it, totally Totally. And speaking of safe communities, I mean, that is supposedly government's number one job is to keep its citizens safe, Mm -hmm. whether it's local government or national government, uh, federal government. And our federal government is failing in many ways. Lots of local governments. I, you know, I'm I'm here in Minnesota. uh, Watch the George Floyd riots. Watch the whimpers of our leaders not doing anything to stop businesses from being destroyed and people hurt. Uh, It was craziness, Mm. but it was because of that. Well, we can only arrest people who look a certain way or we can only, you know, we got to let, riots are screams of the oppressed. Really? Is stealing shoes and breaking plate glass to steal those shoes? The cries of the oppressed Yeah, um, is, you know, is burning down a restaurant cries of the oppressed. Is that is that OK with you that, you know, look, we we children feel oppressed when they're children because they've they got to sit in a stroller with a seatbelt on and they cry and they mm. bitch and they complain, but you're keeping them safe. And so you say you got to learn that this is the, the the way to keep you safe, little child. And I know you're going to complain, but I'm I'm we're going to teach you what is the best way to keep you safe. So I, I feel as though we just infantilize all these people and tell it's okay, you go act like a child, you go act like a a buffoon, a monster, a, a whatever you want to call it, and that's okay because we understand that you've been feeling oppressed. <laughs> I, I I don't. It's nonsensical.
1: Well, who loves you? You know, the person that uh, pats you on the back and tells you it's okay when you're jamming a fork into an electrical socket, or the person that slaps it out of your hand and calls you a fucking idiot. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, right. It's exactly. the. the exactly. It seems very clear to me what the answer to that question is. Um, yeah. But, you know, the other part of sports is that it was. It's, it's not a dis. Like, people have referred to it as like they they've taken away yeah. the distraction and everything for Americans but it wasn't a distraction I, and I think you alluded to it earlier it was a place where people came together you mm-hmm. know what i mean even if mm-hmm. even opposite sides of sports teams like i and it may be even more common in college f- sports especially college yeah. football right where it's like in our office we have Missouri graduates. We have, I went to Penn state, we have an Ohio state guy. We have a central Florida guy who thinks he won a national championship in 2017, but he's full of shit. (laughs) Um, we've got a wide array of people. Um, one of our best friends went to Florida and we've got other friends that are in from Michigan. We all talk relentless shit to each other all the time. You know what I mean? But it's like the reason that we're able to do that is because one it's the the greatest common factor that we all enjoy the games and everything yep. and, and two, it's because indulging in that enjoyment together, even though we're on opposite sides, builds a certain level of camaraderie and trust where I know I can go after this dude and it's gonna be okay, you know what I mean and yeah. that's like yep. you you talk the worst shit to your best friends that's usually that's how it right. works right
2: that's right, that's right, and those are little like little like valves of uh, mm. you know to get rid of some of the Just they're little like valves where you let go of steam and that's really healthy because it's done in a way that isn't threatening to anyone. When I first got into sports uh, as a journalist, I thought this is this is going to be much more fun to cover than the real world. Cause this is just games and no one's going to die. You and this know? was
1: like the early to mid nineties, right? When you first got involved. Yes.
2: Yeah. Let's go ahead and age me.
1: <laughs> it's fine. Know, you can look yes, it up correct. on goddamn Wikipedia, but <laughs>
2: I know. But it was I like, know. it was,
1: you, you kind of came up during the time when females were first going into locker rooms and stuff. And it was a little bit yes. of a taboo situation. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Different I've got then. some, it was very different then. Um, but it was, it was so fun and it was such an adventure, mm. it, I, probably more so for women yeah. who were new to the party uh and by the way i didn't use that i didn't ever mm-hmm. say i am woman hear me roar and mm-hmm. give me access and i deserve it and i no, i said i'm a journalist i'm going to compete against you all i'm going to try to do the job better than any of you i don't care what you look like or who you are or where you right. started from that's uh, it, it never occurred to me to be a female journalist in sports so uh, that it, for anyone who asked that question, oh, how did you survive in a man's world? It's a professional's world. Yeah. If yeah. you want to think of it as a man's world, that's on you. Yeah, okay. you're, you're kind of you're,
1: you're kind of failing if you do that, don't you think? I mean,
2: you're so putting you're putting a, a hurdle in your own way, yeah. and I saw it happen. Yeah. I stood next to a woman. I was about to go into a locker room after an NFL game, and she said to me, "Are you going in there?" I said, "Well, yeah, it's kind of the job. Yeah, but I don't want to go in there. I," and I said, "Just." stare at their eyebrows. Just make it a rule of yours to stare at their Dude, eyebrows. That's what I always did. That's the yeah.
1: that's the rule in the military as well. Always maintain eye contact. Because I don't know if you know this, but uh, dudes in the military will try to get you to look at their dick and balls. Then they call you gay for looking and call you a meat gazer. Uh, oh, really? So you just maintain eye contact all the time. It's almost like the circle game where you try to get somebody to look <laughs> through the circle, right? So you're all, yeah. you, you use your peripheral, but you just maintain eye contact all the time. It's a very good uh, uh, skill to have. You know what I mean? It's, it is. But it's and, the same I, thing.
2: It is the same thing and it and but she wouldn't go in the locker room.
1: Mm. And so
2: and honestly, I didn't see her much after that Hell and I yeah, don't think yeah. her career ever went anywhere. You well, just you, kind of deal with it, man. And you got to expect Deal with the obstacles.
1: It's a bunch of alpha dudes. You've got to expect to get fucked with a little bit too, right? Like there I know it yeah, ba- Oh,
2: absolutely. I don't I
1: don't know about in football locker rooms, but I've read plenty of stories about baseball locker rooms where the dudes would just be uh, uh, obscene for no reason, just because they knew it. Oh, would. I'm sure. But you know, that's that's how we treat each other. It's like a new guy shows up. Uh, it's yes. like it's like hazing a rookie almost. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you you hazing to make sure that you know. I guess from the from a military standpoint is to make sure that dude's not going to buckle under pressure, right? But you right. know, it, it happens in fraternities. Sometimes it goes too far. But I think uh, yes, you know, it's it's kind of like a rite of passage situation. Like, oh, that's Michelle. She's cool. Like you don't need to fuck with her anymore because she doesn't respond to it. That's kind of how it works. right?
2: Exactly. That's exactly right. And, and you just, you just learn. I mean, Mm. we're going down another offshoot of this whole thing, but people are raised these days to be coddled and comforted and protected from obstacle and (laughs) adversity. Yeah. And it's, it's going to ruin us. I mean, you know, and I get it. I get the temptation to do it. Having raised two children, you want to protect them. Mm -hmm. But then again, they got to learn to deal with stuff. And, and if you just coddle them, then they're going to be those kids that are in the um, safe spaces when they get to college. I don't want my kids living in safe safe spaces in college. I want them to not be afraid to be able to deal with crap. And yeah, I'm not going to allow them to stick a fork in a, in an electrical socket, but I am going to try to tell them why it's stupid to put a fork in an electrical socket so that they on their own will never do it. I mean, it's, It's you watch it happen before your eyes and you see the results of it on college campuses and really in in corporate America too. all Mm -hmm. these Twitter employees that are crying that they got laid off or that they got how awful we were laid off via email. Well, yeah, there were thousands of you so that we didn't have time to sit down with all of you. Mm -hmm. And it's you know, it's this coddling and this it's it's really I, I. it sickens me, quite frankly, It really. And it worries me about the future of the yeah, country.
1: It's not even like it is there. It, it's very annoying to experience. But more than annoying, it does seem worrisome. Uh, I, have yeah. You, have you read uh, uh, The Calling of the American Mind by Greg Lukanoff and Jonathan Haidt?
2: You you're y have perused I'll, I'll, it and you're you're adding to my reading list daily. Yeah, I'll is I'll send
1: you a list. I, I will send I'll email you a list awesome. of all this shit. But yeah, that one and then the hunter gatherer's guide to the twenty first century, which is Brett Weinstein and his wife, Heather okay. Hing. uh very good about the, the general theme is the same. It's like you we we've grown into a culture that has very minimal risk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and because of that, we've lost our tolerance for any risk whatsoever. And totally. That's, totally. That's not totally. a great thing. I mean, it wasn't great when we had to fight every day to stay just to stay alive, but the skills we developed from that process were very, very useful. And for us and our parents, that worked out really well. And now, yeah. now for I guess the young millennial crowd and then Gen Z forward, it's not worked out very well.
2: You know, and that's kind of why I. I I'm hoping that there's these little silver linings of COVID of Mm. this recession that we're going through of that people see that life isn't just convenience and ease. Mm. I've said this for a long time and it's basically what you're saying. When people had to chop their own wood and cook their own food and wash clothes by hand and, you know, try not to burn down their cabins when they're keeping themselves warm at night, that they understood what work was about and what it was for and how to self-preservation and now it's like i've got an app for my food i you know i can work from home via a link and life is so convenient but i think people necessarily like it's a human nature to want something to overcome sure and so because normal life is so easy let's overcome anti-lesbianism let's over you know they've created these kind of social issues that are that are whether they think they're real or not, I, I, overcoming them is by living through them and, and making mm. your case by action, not by sitting in a circle in the middle of the road and blocking traffic. It's – it's I, I don't know. I'm not very good at putting this into words, but I, it just feels as though life is so convenient that in order to, for people to feel productive in it, mm. they've got to find something to fight against, and they're looking in the wrong places.
1: Yeah, so, you know, that's – uh something that gives me some level some measure of hope as well because the motivation the instinctual motivation is still there it's just misguided which tells me that we have a leadership problem not necessarily yeah. a oh, yeah. problem right yes um and it's you know the the weight of convenience uh, franklin ben franklin used to say that somebody that sacrifices their uh liberty for temporary security deserves neither right, right. Um, i'm not sure that he could have foreseen people uh, giving up their liberty for mere convenience. Right. Uh, right. That, that, that probably was something that, that would, he, if you told him that today, it'd be like, no way, nobody would yeah. ever do that. I, I but know. that's essentially what we've done, you know, and the weight of convenience is that the more, the, the more stuff that you don't have to do for yourself, the more power you give other people over your day-to-day life. You know what I mean? And that Beautifully
2: is said in a nutshell, that is yeah. exactly it. And you make yourself smaller every time you give that power away. Sure. And you give so much of it to the government by obeying whatever they ask you to do that now you become this again. You can use the sheep analogy. You can find whatever analogy mm. you want, but you're essentially a number. Mm. You, you, you might as well just have a little a little tag. You're a social security number. That's what you are.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know. The the effects on the individual are pretty obvious, but I think more nefarious are the collective effects, right? The aggregate effect on all of society where people no longer have a tolerance for doing things or discomfort or risk. And, you know, it's something I say a lot is that the, like the most important fundamental thing you can learn about life is that the weight doesn't get lighter, you get stronger. That it, That's, right, exactly. that's how it works, right? That's so right. if you don't exercise your liberty muscle or your free thinking muscles or whatever muscles you're talking about, right? The, the thing, the responsibilities that are married to Liberty, you know what I mean? So if you, yeah. if, if you look up the reason I named the show citizens, because the definition of a citizen is somebody who, who bears the rights and responsibilities of a citizen, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. We talk a lot about our rights and pitch a lot about that. We do very little of the responsibilities required to secure those rights. And that's, right. that's, there's the rub, right? It's like, how do you, I, I tell people on the right and libertarian side who just want to be left alone a lot. Like, I understand that. I feel the same way, but there's, at some point, you know, you've got to become a leader and mm-hmm. make sure that that people know and do the right things. And <clears throat> what the momentum of history is right now in, in rapid decline, you know, for, for Western culture. Yeah. And it's because people have people got really comfortable and now they're entitled to things. Yes. They feel entitled to things. Now, how do you reverse that? I guess maybe the hard times that are coming will do some of that. But that's not optimal. You know what I mean? There's got to be a better way to to train people during good times to resist weakness. And I I haven't quite put my finger on it yet. I mean, I'm not a parent. You are.
2: you know, I think there are a couple things though that are happening. I, I think another staple of society was religion, was faith. Mm. Was a, a weekly gathering at church to say that we're we're not ultimately we don't have the ultimate say there's a God that does. Now I'm not a really religious person, but through my life and through and covering a lot of athletes um who are of deep faith, I have met a lot of really successful, happy, productive, responsible people who also happen to be people of deep faith. Mm-hmm. And I and I think about that that sort of the, maybe those things go hand in hand. Maybe their faith gives them a reminder of their responsibilities also. And I think there's such a dearth of that. So we've kind of taken and and in place of God, whoever your god may be, you have put the government who provides for you and you have said I'll do anything for you know for ease and comfort in my life and without having to work so yeah help me with those student loans you know Uh, pay my long term or help me in the long term with my now there need to be safety nets I'm not saying that there shouldn't be safety nets but we've gotten to the point where the average person feels entitled to stuff that they could be doing on their own sure so I think I think that the 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 attached to the the um, lack of religion in this country anymore, people don't have a sense of belonging as they used to, sure. and families are just going poof and, and that sense of belonging, that sense of togetherness, that sense of who can I who upon whom can I rely? Um, some of that is really dissolving in the process. The other part I would say is school. We've trusted schools with our kids. We drop them off. We think, gosh, isn't it great? They're learning math today. Well, what else have they been learning over the last many decades that we didn't really see presenting itself until maybe the last twenty years? Yeah. And now COVID has sort of helped us see past the veil. Yeah. yeah. And it's mm. really it's it really ought to disturb you. I'm a big believer in school choice. I'm a big mm. believer that we can teach kids the right stuff if if we decide I get to choose what is right for my kid, sure, I want wanted yeah. to learn math. I want them to learn science, but I just want them to learn, you know um, how to stand on their own two feet. And, yeah. and, you know, I don't want them to be taught that if they're white, they're, they are an oppressor by nature. Yeah. The that's of crazy.
1: Uh, even it's, like Bill Maher said on a show this weekend that he uh, was like, I read the don't say gay bill. It basically just said, teach kids what you taught them five years ago you know what I mean <laughs> exactly
2: it's, like- it's 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 it, I've been argued with about this it's it, it never says don't say gay yeah it just it's like hey could you I don't think the kindergartner needs to really know what you and your same-sex partner are are doing every weekend it's not you know and, and fine if you want to bring that in that's fine let's not teach kindergartners I didn't learn anything about sex till I was like in fifth grade Mm. or something. So can we leave it alone?
1: Yeah, no kidding. And uh, I want to go back to the religion thing. I'm not religious at all, but, you know, I think the conversation is tough because people are not particularly religious anymore like they used to be. And that's not something that you can say, hey, it was a great benefit to us to just go be religious again because it's a deeply held belief. And you can't just generate that. You can't fabricate that. Like that right. it doesn't work. But right. uh, you can you can reassemble the valuable elements from it. So communing together to express and and I and I guess sort out shared values is a very important thing that happens in in communities of human beings. Now, why is that the case? Why is because we need each other. It's why societies form in the first place. We've realized both uh, physically and sociologically that it's very important for us to be close to one another uh, for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. And the second, in my my opinion, I think that first one is very obvious. The second one is kind of my opinion, but I think it's because life is not about you. Yeah, It's (laughs) like, and I guess even down to the genetic level, the purpose. And if you read, uh, uh, Brett and Heather's book, you'll, Mm -hmm. you'll see this, but, uh, the purpose is not just to procreate, but it's to make sure your DNA survives into the future. Right. Mm -hmm. And by DNA, it also means like all the things that you've learned, how do you, how to protect yourself, how to be a good person, how to protect society, all the stuff, every important thing you do in your life will be for someone else. That's almost, that's an iron law in my opinion. Yeah. So the, and, and you know, on the, I guess a continuation of that is that the purpose of life, people are always like, well, what, what's the purpose? The purpose of life is to find your purpose. So you should understand that there will be a purpose in your life and it's probably going to be something that, that makes you hurt or angry and you go and try to solve that problem for other people, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's what uh, Gandhi said, if you truly want to find yourself, lose yourself in the service of others, right? That, that's, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a very wise thing to think. But yeah. we've, we've generated a society now where mental health days and self-care are the most important thing like are you fucking kidding me at what point at what point ever has it been appropriate to just focus on yourself you know what i mean and why would we elevate that kind of thinking i I mean it's to your point before because they want to dissect us all the way down into categories of one that's what it's really about if you can have somebody focused only on themselves looking in the mirror eventually they'll turn into a flower like narcissists and they're a lot easier to control right
2: yeah Oh my gosh! Uh, and now I'm even more worried than I was when we got on this. Chat. Well, you know, but you no, know, it's 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 a good thing to worry. It's it's a good thing to be concerned. But you're right. It, it's we've become very self-centered. You know, self self care, self love isn't selfish, and that's true. You do have to maintain your health. You do have to maintain your own sanity. But you do that because everyone else around you will benefit from that. I mean, that's that to me is the whole reason i try to stay healthy is for my kids and hopefully my future grandkids so i can be there to help them and keep my mental sanity about Mm. me so i'm productive in the world to help others or to to be of service to my family to my friends to my community whatever You, you know i can't i can't be unhealthy and be helpful so there is there is some of that but when you start to go i need six mental health days a year And I want this kind of leave and that kind of leave. And I want to work in my pajamas. It's like, again, it's infantilizing.
1: Yeah. It's stupid. I mean, so we go to world war and women who have never been in the workplace before, all of a sudden are in steel and iron factories and maintaining their homes and making sure their children are taken care of all at the same time. So I don't believe like a lot of people think that, um, we refer to a lot of people refer to the good old days. Um, and uh, folks think that they mean like segregation or sexism. Like, <laughs> no, I don't, I, I don't buy that shit because I, yeah. I, the greatest generation, what happened in the greatest generation? Sure. There was more sexism then than there is now. There was certainly a lot more racism than there is now. But when push came to shove, men went to war and women stepped up. So you're yeah. telling me what, that women were weaker back then, or they didn't like it's it doesn't. That doesn't register with me. I don't understand that, right? No. So when people refer uh, to know. the good old days, they mean the days when people saw re- that they had responsibility and they did their fucking job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, without yeah. bitching and moaning about it. We, we we actually, we had heroes. Rosie the Riveter was a heroic character in the for- 1940s, and now all of a sudden, it's like people are using it to protest for stuff. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. But the, the, the lesson from Rosie is that when there's work to be done, you get off your ass and go do the work.
2: It's, uh, it's, it's frustrating. And it it's, and, and in raising kids, it's hard as well. Yes. Kids have busy schedules, but I, I, I worked, I had some kind of work from the time I was, I think 12 mm-hmm. to, to this day. I've never, ever been without a job. I was raised with a, that kind of work ethic, probably because both of my parents were raised during the depression, mm. They understood what sacrifice was, and they understood what saving and scrimping and, and working was about. And so my siblings and I all have that very similar, strong work ethic. Now you jump to here we are. I'm raising it now, 17 and 14 year old. And I, you guys got your chores to do, you know, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've got homework. I know. And that comes first. But you got to get your chores done. Mm. And, you know, other people saying, oh, God, they're kids. They're going to be working the rest of their lives. Let kids be kids. And it's sort of like they have to learn a certain measure of work ethic, that they have responsibilities to this house Mm. and to the family, just like everybody else does. And there seems to be this other thought that i just let them be kids. And, and yes, I want my kids to play and laugh and grow and grow through creativity and, and teamwork and play their sports and all of that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting there keeping them under lock and key. But there has to be some measure of accountability to the family and the household as well.
1: Sure. I mean, it's a very valuable lesson to learn as early as possible that there is mm-hmm. a direct relationship between your level of comfort and your level of work output, right? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's just kind of like being a person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which now you know it's not it's not that anymore. You're a, you're a sick of you're a, you're just a sick tyrant, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've done a lot uh, in the sports world. Now you're getting into the cultural side of things. Um, tell me about the the you've got a new show that you're working on, and you're doing some other stuff as well. Yeah. Can you tell me about what's going on now?
2: Yeah, I've got a podcast called Sideline Sanity. It's just a a nod to my previous job and a nod to the fact that I want sanity <laughs> to come back to to america and to the world and so it's their kind of little bite-sized uh podcast that i do four days a week mm. talking to a lot of interesting people on a variety of topics everything from um you know people wanting to change their gender to uh black conservatism to a, a lot of different things and yeah there's probably you can probably sense a theme and where i come from things politically but i'm trying to have so Civil conversations with people and amplify voices that I think are on the common sense line of thinking that are that ha- can help bring some of that sanity to people. I believe that messages are important, but messengers are just as important. Where you hear these ideas, how you hear them is is important. Um, I think that you know I've been involved in some of the politics here in Minnesota where I live, and it's been eye opening and disgusting and awful. And you want it to be idealistic. You want it to be the good ideas when um, that it's not about who's right, but about what's right. Mm. And you find very quickly that politics is a very seedy, kind of gross place. And you think, okay, can it be fixed? Can we do something about that? Can we clean it up? Can we make it so that it's not that? Mm. And, you know, so I'm involved with a lot of people and efforts to do that. I just don't know if they're, you know, is is it a fool's errand? That's what I ask myself a lot. But that's kind of where my my life is these days. I'm, you know, speaking in different places, going on some shows uh, out in New York and doing some appearances. And it's just it's it's freeing. It allows me to say what I want to say and be who I want to be without fear of the repercussions or fear of bringing controversy onto <laughs> you know, NBC's number one property, which was Sunday Night Football. So I don't have sure. to worry about that anymore. At the same time, I, I don't know if you feel this way. When you delve into these issues, you start to become a, a little more disenchanted or discouraged or like, holy God, are we going to be able to fix this place?
1: Yeah. So, um But yeah, I, I'm hell bent on it. I, I can't lose faith. I that, can't. That's something that I am concerned about. But, you know, one of the things that we discuss here a lot on the show is that, um, Skepticism is really important, but if you let it fester to cynicism, then you're fucked, right? I mean, it's uh, you, it, it's you it, just give up at that point because if that if you're still out in the social space spreading cynicism, I think it's it's kind of uh, you're a net negative at that point, right? So what's yeah, the point?
2: I, I agree. I agree. This country's gotten through a lot of a lot of shit in the past. Mm-hmm. We've managed. We need some we need some leaders, Um, you know, and I don't think if I go off on a tangent here, I don't think Trump is the answer. I wrote an open letter on my Substack last week saying it's an open letter to Donald Trump. Please don't run. We don't need that chaos right now. The elections taught us a lot of things about politics. And the last thing this country needs right now, I think, is more of that chaos he was a disruptor probably at the right time but now we need i think yeah a disruptor of sorts but one that doesn't have the same kind of baggage and uh so my hope is that some clarity will come on that you know he's supposed to make an announcement tomorrow and we'll see what that is but um i I would like to see some real leaders people who don't complain don't point to other things for their fall their downfall that they that they just they fight with some integrity and with the best interests of the country at heart not their own self-interest um and that's that's a rare thing but Mm. I think it's out there
1: yeah I agree with you on that uh I'm not like I don't I don't really care about politicians I think they're all terrible people um but you know Mm -hmm. it's like fire can be terrible as well, but it heats my food. So, uh, you know, I have a relationship yeah. with it that is necessary. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to try to cook eggs in a, on a house fire. Cause that doesn't make sense. I'm not going to detonate a, nu- right. a nuclear weapon to, to grill, you know what I mean? So it's like the appropriate, yeah. the appropriate tool for the appropriate job seems <laughs> yeah. like something that we should probably keep in mind at this point. Um, yeah. So, uh, I I agree with you. I I think that um, there's people are so fucking stupid. There's this uh, conspiracy theory going around now that establishment Republicans are forcing this weird tumult between DeSantis and Trump. It's like, what did they call Trump and and tell him to be a lunatic on the internet and and (laughs) accuse DeSantis and shit of all kinds of weird stuff? Like, what the hell? If anybody thinks they can control that dude, uh, that much to, to generate a conspiracy, good luck. Because I don't think that's yeah. how it works. Um, yeah.
2: it, again, it's it's these messages that are clickbait that get people's attention and then people just repeat them. And it's that whole propaganda and the, and the left is very, very good at it. And somehow uh, some more sane people need to work on being better at messaging and have better messengers.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, you're doing a little bit of it yourself, uh, Sideline Sanity. So are you. Uh, I try. I say on my other show, Drinker Bros, I say a lot of fucked up shit, to be honest, but uh, <laughs> it's,
2: <laughs> it's mostly. I got to tune into that. One
1: too. Oh, yeah. You should come on that one sometime and we'll talk sports. Uh, I would love to. It's a real fun time. But yeah, I, I appreciate what you're doing out there. It's nice to see somebody who, uh, you know, did the job first and then made the sacrifice to separate yourself from a very successful career to go do what you think is right i think that's a very admirable quality to have and it's it's a maybe a pathway for some other people that are trapped in some of these situations Uh, i won't mention any names but some friends of mine that work in sports media at certain organizations owned by disney have had plenty of problems dealing with those assholes right so hopefully you know we'll see more of that Um,
2: I'm going to try to encourage it. I really am. I hear from some of those friends, too. I do. I'm sure you do. So they're they're there and they're dealing. And yes, um, life is tough right now.
1: Yeah, it is. It is very tough. Um, Well, look, we appreciate you coming today. I know you got to go get a heart out of here uh
2: it was my absolute pleasure you're a joy to talk to seriously (laughs) i i I love your bluntness i love (laughs) your 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 mind and uh thanks for the book you got to email me more book recommendations i will email a few of my own
1: thanks i appreciate that uh and uh again thanks for thank you for coming tell everybody really quick where they can find you on on the interwebs
2: you know what you can go to michelletafoya.com it's michelle with one l t-a-f-o-y-a michelletafoya.com or you can go to anywhere you get your podcast. It's called Sideline Sanity.
1: All right, great. Well, we really appreciate you coming today and appreciate all of you for watching and listening. This has been Citizen. All right, perfect. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you. That was awesome. That was so much fun. I, I'd love to come on your other show. We're yeah, well,
1: I'll, I'll set that up here pretty soon. It's, it's a little okay. more... Uh,